So today we're continuing on in Romans chapter 8, and I'll read for us from uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. So we look at this text today, and we think about our previous text, uh, the previous two texts, and we see that Paul is building a case for assurance. And today uh, we look at um, a life in the a life in the spirit as heirs of Christ. And this is a, a difficult thing for us to, to wrap our minds around, but we're going to be talking about a few different concepts in our brief time this morning, one of which is adoption. And adoption is something that we're all very familiar with, but what I want you to keep in mind is during the time of this writing, this was a foreign concept, or this was a, a it had a different context than what we're used to. Um, there was no infant adoption during this time. Um, the adoption practice that existed was a Roman practice. And it was, it was for someone who didn't have a male heir to ensure that their property all stayed with their family. They would take a trusted manservant and they would have them become their legal heir. They would legally adopt them. And then when they passed, all their rights and their properties and their goods would uh, come to that person, but they would remain in the family. It was a way of joining someone outside of their family to their own family. And this is this is one of the things that we're dealing with today. And we're also going to look at uh, being led by the Spirit. So let's uh, begin in verse 12. Uh, so then, brothers, and each of these sections um, begins with a, a uh, phrase or an article that, that um, conjoins it with the previous one. So in the previous one, we talked about being raised. If we are in Christ, then we will be raised with Christ. If we are in the flesh, then we will not be raised with Christ. Then we will face eternal a damnation, we will face eternal punishment, we will face God's wrath and judgment. So this idea of being united with Christ in the Spirit is what leads us into our passage today. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh. It's very easy for us to, um, especially when you're young, to give credit to your flesh, what your mind is able to conceive. And as a young Christian, I would I would come into a, a task or a difficult situation and I would have sort of this attitude of watch this God, watch what I can do, watch me shine. And I, and I, it was an arrogance that uh, lifted up my spirit and downplayed the spirit of God working in my life. 
as I mature, I'm, I come more fully to understand that it's, it is only by the Spirit of God in me that I'm able to accomplish anything that glorifies Him. And brothers and sisters, that's what we are to be about. We are to be about glorifying God. So if we, 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 don't, we don't live in debt to our flesh, we don't live in debt to this sinful nature that we have, this sinful nature that we have, uh, if we cut it loose, it can, it can do things. And we see people in the world uh, who are very successful. And we see people who are very successful by virtue of their, uh, their own ideology, their own... Um, and we, we see people that, are, that espouse to be Christians uh, on television, that, that live these lavish lifestyles, and they, by all outward appearances, are, uh, are very successful and are, are doing extremely well living by the flesh. And we see that, and we know that because we see the fruit of that in many cases. But we're not called to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, what happens to the flesh? It dies. This is a mortal, this is a mortal flesh that we're in. There will come a time when this flesh will pass away. And it's the spirit that we are to be mostly concerned with. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So by the spirit, and we talked a little bit last week about how we have to be very careful about when the word spirit, what's the context? Does it say Holy Spirit? Is there a context that leads us to believe? Well, in this, it's pretty clear that by the Spirit of God, capital S, most likely, we put to death the deeds of the flesh. We put to death the things in us that we desire that are contrary to what God desires. Uh, these deeds of the body, these deeds of the flesh, these things that, that uh, are desirous of us, Sometimes we come with a question, and it's probably pretty frequent. How do I know when I'm living by, when I'm being led by the Spirit of God? How do I know when I'm being led by the Spirit of the devil? And we'll briefly look at a few of those, those things. But in, in verse 14, we get into a very interesting uh, subject that I think is appropriate for our culture today. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Have you ever professed to do something that you've been led by the Spirit to do? I think we all have. And I think one of the things in, in our culture today, and especially in our Christian culture, that, that we have to be careful of is attributing sinful things to the will of God. The Spirit encouraged me to do this thing. Now, is, is it bad for us to say that I had a, a strong urging from the Spirit to do something, and, and that's what uh, it compelled me to do that. It's less that it's a bad idea to do that. It's more that it's a better idea to go to the Scripture. In everything that we can, all of our understanding of the will of God should come from Scripture because, joyously, there's no contradiction. There's no contradiction between what God tells us in the Bible and his will. As a youth pastor for 15 years, the most common question I ever heard was, I don't know what God's will is for my life. 
typically what the real question was, I don't know if I'm supposed to marry Sue and move to Florida and get a job chasing gators. I, I don't I think this is what God wants for my life, but I want I want sky riding, you know? I want to pull up behind a semi that says move to Florida, chase gators. But we don't we don't get those kinds of things. And and the reality is most times we need to to stop being so concerned about the minutia and and make sure that we are living by the word of God. Our proximity to our proximity to God it enables us to better understand His will for us and for us to make better decisions in our life, and it's easier for us to surrender our will to the will of God. As a as a small boy, I remember we had a, a big farm. Sometimes I would be playing along and I would stop because I think I heard my mother's voice, and if I wasn't sure, I would run to the house because I didn't want to miss her call. Do we approach the throne of God in the same way? Do we, when we come to a place, are we, are we utterly concerned about hearing the voice of God clearly? Or are we, we more concerned about making the decision that we think is best to make? What is God's will for my life? It is a valid question. I don't mean to, to poo-poo that question. When young people would come to me and ask, that is a valid question to ask. But the first thing we need to do is, is we need to determine what it is that God plainly says. First um, Thessalonians 4.3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. We know from Scripture that God intends us to do what? Put to death the deeds of the body by the power of His Spirit. Very clearly we read that. This needs to be our mission. This needs to be what our concern is. Because when we, we put the first thing first, the other things fall into place. It's much easier for us to discern the day-to-day decisions that we have to make when we are walking with God. When we are in step with the Spirit of God. What else do we know from Scripture? John, Gospel John 14, 15. You love me? Keep my commandments. Jesus says, if you love me, demonstrate it by keeping my commandments. Because what do those who don't love God do? They don't keep his commandments. Or maybe the better way to say it is, what do those who don't keep God's commandments do? They don't love God. It's evidenced. That, that sounds harsh, but that's actually a, a really good um, barometer in our lives. Look at your life. Is it characterized by following the things of God's Word that you know that are clear? Are you concerned about your sanctification? Are you concerned about keeping the commands of God? If not, if you see areas in your life when, when you are living by the flesh, what ought you do? You should stop, because if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We go into a a little bit different um, section here in verse 15. 
But we continue on. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Paul is, is teaching the Romans something they didn't understand. We talked a little bit about how uh, the expectation in in Judaism, they, they clearly understood the wrath of God. They clearly understood that God was holy. They clearly understood that God had laws, but they they failed to conceive because they did not have Christ. How deep is Christ, God's love for us in Christ? How far has God God gone, and what did those measures accomplish? Our assurance. We aren't to live under a, a cloud of fear to say, today I sold a piece of property and I gave a part of it to the church, but I really told him I sold it for this amount. I'm probably going to fall over dead next time I walk into the building. Now that's a different scenario, but it's, it, it's, it's an excellent uh, point for us to, to know if we are in Christ, then we... We go back to Romans 8, 1, for there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What did Ananias and Sapphira fail to do? Repent, confess, turn away from their sin, go to the bank, <laughs> make up the difference, or at least not lie to the Holy Spirit. That was their, that was their sin. So we have this assurance that says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what do we need to be about? Being in Christ Jesus. We have been adopted. And this is this is a phenomenal thing for us because how many natural children does God have? One. There is but one begotten son. Monogenesis. There is only one. And that is Christ Jesus. There is only one that God begat that was without sin. So then, for us to be adopted, to be brothers with Christ, what does that say for us and our assurance? Is there any doubt where Christ sits now? Is there any doubt that after, after three days when he rose and when he ascended on the day of Pentecost, where he ascended to. This is incredibly good news for us. We don't live, we don't go back to this place of fear where we, where we wring our hands and say, I've messed up. It's all over. We, we don't have this, this uh, fear that my relationship is broken because I have moved so far away from God he can never find me. Instead, our concern is, is, are we in Christ Jesus? Do we run to him when we sin? Okay, so that, that's good. We have this assurance. But how do we know? How, do we, how are we completely assured? Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with what? Our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit of God 
bears witness with our spirit. Both spirits here, ours and God's, together. It bears witness. What does it mean that it bears witness? It testifies on our behalf. God will is God's will for us to be sanctified. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. So, he witnessed that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. What do heirs do? They share in the estate of their patronage, of their, of their parents. Our heirs share in our house. They share in our food. They share in our vehicles. When we are gone, they will share in whatever estate we leave behind. This is, this is the message that, that Paul is delivering to the Romans. It says, if you are in Christ, if you are brothers with Christ, you've been moved out of this state of rebellion into the family. You've been taken up off the streets, washed, given a robe, had a ring put on your finger, and you live in the mansion now. You're a part of the family. Not only that, you're, you're an heir. Everything that you see, this new telescope that we've got, it just is all it's doing is it's real estate for God. It's showing more of his property. It's a revelation of, look, there are things that God made that I don't even didn't even know about. Praise be to God. That's amazing to me to see images. So we're joint heirs, provided that we suffer with him in order that we also be glorified with him. Why do we suffer? Why is it fitting that we would suffer the way Christ did? That doesn't sound appealing. Sometimes we present someone with a gospel message that says, when you come to Christ, everything is better. That's not true. Jesus says, come and die that you might live. Do we, do we understand that? That to walk with Christ is, is to suffer as he did? Is that... Is that right? Is that just? Well, of course it is. We deserve much worse suffering. But we suffer with Christ because we identify with him. If you see your brother being attacked, what do you do? You run to their aid. If we see, if we, if we see Christ suffer because of his love for God, then we should, as the, as the um, apostles did, we should rejoice when the stones are flying because this identifies us. This marks us as being one of the children of God. For the children of God, the fate of, of the children of God is to be glorified with God. Not as God, but to be glorified by association to revel in the glory of God, for us to be able to participate and witness the glory of God in a way even Moses couldn't do while he lived on the earth. So our message today from Paul, it's two things. It is understand what it means to walk in the Spirit of God. Don't, it, let, let's try to be careful not to make flippant statements, say, the Spirit led me to Wendy's today because the line at Arby's was really long. That, that's silly, but we do stuff like that. I have a friend who says, you know, God is, is leading me and my family to this wonderful, posh vacation place to go and be missionaries. I'm like, 
Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but they need them in, in Haiti too. You know, they need them in, in Africa still. It's not full. So, maybe. But, and then also for us to be, to rest assured knowing that our salvation has been purchased by the Spirit of God. It is assured by that Spirit, and that Spirit bears witness to us if we're in Christ Jesus. And so then we are, uh, we are more than conquerors. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Let's pray together this morning. Most gracious God, we, we read your word and in our minds we see and we understand that for us to be in Christ is, is beneficial for us, but it is a blessing that we don't deserve. It is, it is your unmerited favor. It is your mercy poured out on a rebellious people. And Father, this is your work. This work of salvation is yours. This work of sanctification we take up with this, with your spirit that dwells in us. And it is the life, death, and resurrection of your son that has purchased all this for us, Father. And for that, we give you praise, honor, and glory. We ask today that if there are people here that are wrestling with this idea of assurance that they don't they don't wrestle alone that they come and we talk and we discuss and and when we we hash through these things and we look at your word and we pray together until understanding is had and father if there are those here who today who are lost in sin perhaps they have deceived themselves or perhaps they they have no interest in the things of god i pray you would break their hearts father that their understanding would be that to live according to the flesh is to die. But to live according to the Spirit and to put to death the deeds of the flesh and the body by the power of the Spirit is to live. I pray, Father, you would, you would, you would crush our hearts with this reality today. And for those whom you have redeemed, that we would rejoice. That we would have tears of joy to know that uh, our sin has been put away. And for those who have not, Father, that, that it would be it would be an unscratchable itch, that it would be a, a desire to come to you that is uh, that is powerful, and that they would come uh, for redemption. And we ask all these things today, Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.